Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We're here with Dr. James McCann, Professor of Political Science at Purdue University, and Dr. Michael Jones-Correa, Professor of Political Science at UPenn. Men, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look, um, uh, one of the issues that's been out there in the ethos is that the Latino vote has been taken for granted for a long time. And that has a lot to do uh, with maybe the Latino vote not showing up at the polls. Now, here comes Donald Trump, and Donald Trump completely disparages the community. As I understand, uh, uh, James, you have some thoughts on, on that and what the effect it will actually have on the voting performance of Latinos this cycle. What's your thoughts? Well, we, we both have some thoughts, uh, Huberto, uh, but I, yeah, I can jump in and say that, um, yeah, I mean, with the Latino vote based on current polling, maybe about a quarter to 30 percent uh, might be somewhat favorably disposed towards Trump. So the bulk of the population is, is certainly not uh, uh, very supportive of Trump. Um, the big question, as you suggest, is voter turnout. What we picked up on in our surveys is a fair amount of engagement, and other people have uh, mentioned that as well. So that would bode well for pretty good turnout this November. Um, um, Michael, do you want to chime in on that? Yeah, no, our, our book, which just came out, uh, Holding Fast, uh, makes an argument that Latinos, uh, Latino immigrants reacted to uh, Trump's candidacy and election in 2016 by uh, not going underground, but rather by becoming more engaged, uh, more civically engaged on a number of measures, even if as they were increasingly unhappy with the direction of the country and the, and the direction things were taking, uh, but they uh, became more active in a number of different ways by um, everything from joining meetings to attending protests. Uh, and so that bodes uh, well for their engagement uh, in 2020. Uh, and you already saw signs of this in 2018. Now, uh, Dr. Manuel Pastor has the, is under the belief right now that uh, while much of that may be true, that the Biden campaign has uh, probably neglected, uh, neglected quite a bit the Latino population. Now, look, I am both black and Latino, and I can tell you that on the black side, I see a lot of engagement from uh, from from Biden in the in these different communities. And I must say that I've also noticed not as much in in front of um, the Latino community. In fact, he had a fall paw when he said, "Oh, uh, uh, black folks are a bit more uh, a, a bit more unified or in in concert than Latinos." So I understood what he meant because, after all the Latino community is very vast. Uh, do you think that he is missing something that by not being able to engage these communities where they are? Uh, Florida, we have Cubanos in, uh, in, the, in the Southwest. We have uh, mostly Mexicans uh, in the I-95 corridor. We all have a lot of uh, Puerto Ricanos. What are your thoughts, um, uh, Michael? So I, I don't think that, that he's wrong necessarily. I think that, that the Biden campaign uh, took a, was slow getting off the mark. And so you know, keep in mind that, that Biden uh, really didn't have much of a campaign structure, I will say. True. Even, even as he was winning the nomination and his campaign has come together 
really at, at, at toward the end of this of this cycle, um, and a lot of money coming in, and that's important uh, because he is now beginning to spend that money, and so I'm now beginning to hear about uh, regional uh, Latino directors, uh, state directors. So there, oh, there are now people being hired on the ground. There is now more outreach on the ground, but there's, it's also clear to me that this is playing a catch-up game and he is sort of uh, behind where uh, you would expect. Now, James, don't you think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, I, I, I was talking to a, a few candidates here in Houston and I was really upset with a lot of the ads that they had out there because I always I believe they don't go for the jugular the way, let's say, Republicans would. Now, uh, that said, I think part of the problem as well is that these campaigns work with a lot of, and I'm not going to call the, prof I mean, you guys see how things work, but a lot of people in these universities don't know what's happening in the barrios. They don't know what's happening in Appalachia. They don't know what's happening in the ghettos. So, um, and, and generally speaking, they don't put the monies in those communities and the leaders in those communities. Do you think that both of these campaigns in this case, James, or do you think they're doing the right thing as far as how they're dispersing these? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, to echo a point that Michael made a minute ago, uh, Biden is playing catch up. Um, it, right now though, he's you know pretty well flush with cash. And so in the home stretch, uh, there's gonna be more and more investment. But yeah, the, that, you know, the, the kinds of, places you're mentioning, yeah, they have been under-mobilized. And that's a sort of historic story. It's not just with Biden, but traditionally we could fault the American party system, actually. Uh, you know, in our polling, we found that Latino immigrants tend to tilt towards the Democrats, and that's not exactly front page news, but the partisanship tends to be rather thin. And I think a lot of that has to do with the choices that the party makes, uh, you know, from election cycle to election cycle. Well, interest. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. To say that, uh, you know, parties historically, as Jay was mentioning, uh, have reached out to people who are already engaged. So you, if, if you voted before, then they contact you. But if you're a new voter uh, and part of a new electorate, immigrant voters, young voters, uh, voters who haven't historically voted in the past or kind of weak partisans, as Jay was mentioning, then parties are much less likely to reach out to you. And this has meant a, a kind of historic disinvestment in the Latino community and, and, and the immigrant community more, more broadly. Uh, they just, the parties, both parties, not just Biden, have not done outreach to these new voters. You know, yeah, um, let me tell you, if I yeah, could go ahead, please. Um, one additional thing to, to, to add to that is that the political parties, I think, could be faulted for playing such a short game, right? That they sort of come alive during campaigns to serve the immediate wow. needs of the candidates. And it's sort of once the election is over, poof, okay, the parties sort of go completely dormant. So it would help them, I, I believe, if they played a somewhat longer game and cultivated these emerging constituencies. That's prescient. I mean, I've, that is an absolute fact. Now, I, I tell you what's interesting, though, right? Uh, you can take that exactly and, 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 and move it on to what's occurring today, Pennsylvania, Florida. We look at we all know that we have to bring a whole lot of people into the into the fold, as both of you have just explained. 
we look at Pennsylvania, we see uh, in the case of Republicans, they have a huge advantage in new registrations since April. We look at Florida, we have the same thing. Donald Trump played an interesting game. Uh, there is not, there are not a lot of voters that are, I, I shouldn't say a lot that are Republican, but they know how to go ahead and hunt them. And part of doing that is exactly what you're talking about. And that is identifying those people. And I've, I've started to, say, I, I don't know about Republicans in general, but I can tell you about the Trump campaign in particular that is actually hunting people. And if you take a look at what they've done, it seems like they've done that. But we want to talk about your book, Holding Fast, Resilience and Civic Engagement Among Latino Immigrants. Who wants to tell me the, the tenet of the book in the first place? Okay. All right. Well, Michael gave a very nice thumbnail sketch a few minutes ago, so I'm going to amplify on that. Um, the sort of dominant storyline is that uh, Latino immigrants following the 2016 election exhibited as one might expect, an awful lot of anxiety about what's coming next and a great deal of disappointment. Uh, that was sort of a dominant thread in media coverage following the 2016 election. So we measure that through surveys, okay? But we also find a fair amount of anger, understandable anger. And so the, the sort of mixture of disappointment, anxiety, and anger, that mixture, are, it's all a, a sort of powerful driver of political engagement. So the, the big question is, given these reactions, um, will you go underground and sort of go into duck and cover mode and, and even reconsider whether you wanna remain in the US over the long run? Or is there resilience? Is there constructive pushback? And we find much more evidence for the latter. Um, we find that uh, the immigrants in our study uh, expressed a, a deep loss of faith in government institutions under Trump, but at the same time, they did not lose faith in America on the whole. There's just as much trust in other Americans, just as much patriotism. There's no deeper desire to, you know, kind of leave the country and return to the country of birth. And there is uh, a considerable amount of engagement in real political activities, all the way from protest activities to everyday kind of pedestrian sorts of activities, like going to school board meetings and things like that. So no. we take that as a good sign of kind of the ongoing incorporation of immigrants into U.S. democracy. Now, were we talking uh, just documented immigrants or undocumented immigrants as well? Everybody. Mm. Uh, so uh, our sample has, uh, so these are all first generation immigrants, people who have migrated to the US themselves. Uh, so it includes people who have naturalized, people who are legal permanent residents or green card holders and undocumented uh, residents as well. And for all of these groups, we found that the patterns of uh, sort of holding fast remaining engaged uh, remains true, uh, even if uh, people were undocumented. Uh, you know, people who are citizens are engaged at higher levels than the undocumented, but everyone stays engaged. You know what was interesting? I went to um, Arizona. Uh, was it Arizona? Uh, I'm sorry, I went to Nevada uh, to, work the, to work the polls with um, Bernie Sanders and 
I stood outside of uh, different Latino supermarkets, and what was um, what we found most amazing was that most of these uh, Latinos that were coming out were not engaged in the in the body politic. But when we made the case to them, uh, they immediately wanted to vote. They they felt like, oh, you mean I can actually have control? And it wasn't like sitting in front of a Safeway or something. This was a Latino market, and they were ready to talk, and they would tell you stories, and, and it, it, that, that's a feeling that I got. Did you, capture, uh, in, in, did, did you capture that kind of Latin community, or did you capture, let's say, the, the Latin community that was already integrated into the U.S.? Um, yeah, well, I, I, we tried to capture as comprehensively as possible the entire Latino immigrant community. And so we have, um, you know, many people in the sample have lived in the United States for decades, okay? But we also have some relative newcomers in the sample. Um, and, and that was an important thing that, that we wanted to investigate, you know, how do these two different kinds of um, groups vary in terms of their reactions? And one of the things we found is that they don't vary a whole lot, right? right. It's a sort of one size fits all, uh, kind of framework that we have here in the book that that even immigrants who are rather well established in the United States still felt as much kind of disappointment and anger and, and anxiety about where politics was going and and they were just as sort of engaged because of that. Now, one of the things that people are worried about when it comes to voting, uh, etc., is that a lot of Latino households are mixed. In other words, they may have an undocumented person within that household. And because they want to attract the least attention, uh, have you found that that could possibly affect whether they vote or not, whether they participate in the census or not? Yeah, so this is what social scientists call mixed status households. Right. Fancy way of saying what you're saying. And uh, uh, so one of the interesting things uh, we found was that uh, not only were people feeling a sense of threat and anxiety for themselves, but they were feeling a sense of threat and anxiety for their uh, people who were close to them, friends, families, loved ones. And if when we ask them, you know, are you fearful or afraid of the possibility that someone close to you uh, will be deported, um, people who felt that fear for people close to them were also more likely to be civically engaged. So uh, there was a link between the sense of threat for people who they loved and their willingness to, to become active in, in civic life in the United States. So, uh, so to answer your question, you know, even if you're a citizen, even if you're, the, even if you're US born, uh, we speculate that that sense of anxiety and fear for people close to you uh, is, will engage people in, uh, in American politics. Now, in your analysis, did you break down, did you, do a, did, did you do the breakdown based on Biden's confusion? In other words, that uh, Latinos are so diverse in, in, uh, and may also have diverse attitudes towards politics. Um, yeah, in our analysis, we do pick up on a lot of the diversity, diversity with respect to partisanship, um, uh, we compare and contrast 
uh, you know, Mexicans who were uniquely singled out in so many ways uh, versus non-Mexicans uh, to see if there are any differences there. And, and actually, we find relatively few differences. That's oh, really? another interesting finding between Mexicans and non-Mexicans in terms of their sort of fearfulness of politics, uh, the anger that is expressed, the disappointment in the country. So um, as, as I say, to, to hark back to what was mentioned a few minutes ago, it's a sort of almost one size fits all, or it's a very encompassing kind of conclusion that we have that, that Latinos across the board tended as a group um, to, to really react negatively the way we pick up on and, and to kind of demonstrate in response that resilience and engagement. Well, you know, I, I really like the title of the book, uh, Resilience and Civic Engagement. You know, that is sort of what we promote here. That is what we are into. Now, um, to, to end this, what I'd like, uh, you know, for you to do is tell me something that I didn't ask that you wanted me to ask about not only your book, but about what's happening right now in our politics. Well, uh, one thing that Jay mentioned, uh, which I'd like to pick up on, is that the story we're, we found is a national story, and that we thought there might be more differences, say, between uh, residents living in California and residents living in, say, uh, states like Arizona. So uh, California has a reputation for being a very welcoming state for immigrants, and Arizona a very unwelcoming state. And what we actually found is they're remarkably, again, few differences. So if you're an immigrant living in Arizona or California, you react much in the same way to Trump's election and Trump's uh, presidency. You're, you're, uh, you feel threatened and you're resilient. Uh, and this is kind of interesting. Think about that. There's a nationalization of politics uh, uh, taking place, uh, which is true for immigrants as it is for many other Americans. James? Boy, um, uh, what to add to that? Yeah, that's, um, let, yeah, let me say that, um, uh, you know, to maybe expand on the thinness of democratic partisanship, okay? What we found in the book uh, is that while, you know, Democrat, sorry, immigrants who have a party affiliation will say that they're Democrats by a ratio of say, maybe uh, four or five to one, um, there still is an awful lot of, uncertainty out there about the political parties. Uh, when we ask questions about which party best represents the interests of Latinos or immigrants in general, or women and children and business owners, um, the typical response is often a shoulder shrug. They're not really sure, okay? So, so let me just say to amplify on, on what we mentioned before, the, the, I think the political parties really need to work a bit harder, right? To reach out to, to these new constituents. That's a very good point, uh, point and a good place. And Dr. James McCann, Professor of Political Science at Purdue University, and Dr. Michael, jo Michael Jones Correa, Professor of Political Science at UPenn, authors of Holding Fast, Resilience and Civic Engagement Among Latino Immigrants. The, uh, we'll have the book posted at the website as well as on the lead. Uh, thank you so kindly for having been here with Politics Done Right. Uh, well, thank you very much.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.